Here's a message from Ken Lavica. It legitimately hurts to watch Tiger Woods play golf right now, and I think it's time for a serious big boy conversation. Stone Lebanowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. Turn it up. Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 1063. In case you missed it, Tiger Woods is done at the Open Championship. Started yesterday, and now he's done. That was lightning quick. I can't name one memorable moment other than what happened today. Him walking up 18 with fans cheering him at St. Andrews. And that's a problem when that is your most notable moment from your major visit. Tiger's not good. I, I, it's time to flat out say it. Tiger Woods is not good. And it pains every part of my body to say that because I love the man and uh, he's been a big part of my sports life. But watching him play golf in multiple facets is just painful. Ken Levick alive. It is Friday here on ESPN 106.3 free ESPN app and on your smart speaker and a John Levine Action and Attorney Studios downtown West Palm Beach. Phillips Point Towers right off of the sunshiny and muggy intracoastal. Stone Lebanowitz, Friday Night Lights. He runs this catastrophe until 2 o'clock. Who boy. Stone, tell me about your boy. What happened? What went wrong for old Tiger? Shoots a 75 today, 9 over. Most definitely not going to make the cut. So uh, Yeah, not his, most definitely. His, uh, his, I have a better chance right <laughs> now of making the cut at the Open Championship than Tiger does. So his St. Andrews run is over. Um, sad and emotional, but I get the gist he's still playing on one leg. Like uh-huh. I, I get the gist he's he's aiming and shooting. Like yeah. he doesn't have a feel for his feet underneath him. His body is completely jacked in in the bad connotation. Yeah, if if he's looking at like a like shooting a five iron or, or a six from like two hundred out, like he, he's literally gripping and ripping. It doesn't get to the sense that he. I I don't get the sense that he's shaping his shots anymore. At least that's what I saw. You know, these past two days, but uh, not good. Not good, and he knows it. Uh, Darren Ravel of the Action Network, sports business reporter, formerly of ESPN, he tweeted something at around 10 o'clock that I initially just sort of poo-pooed. Then I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe this is at least worth a conversation about. He tweeted, for his legacy, does Tiger retire right now? And the options were absolutely and no way. I think on its face, when you answer, when you ask the question, and you frame it like that, for Tiger's legacy, does Tiger retire right now? I think the answer to that is no, unequivocally, because I, I don't think that there's any tearing down of Tiger Woods' legacy. What's been done is set in stone. That's not changing. And uh, this is also a guy who part of his legacy is one of the most embarrassing falls from grace that we've ever seen into one of the greatest rising from the ashes Phoenix type uh, rehabilitations Mm. that we've ever seen. So the legacy part is fine. But the question of retirement with Tiger, the more I think about it, there might be some legitimacy to it. And let me explain. How many times have we heard Tiger Woods say, hey, I'm playing because I think I can compete. I'm in this tournament because I think I can compete. I'm coming out here because I think that I can compete. Many times. Many, 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 many times. And it gets us all excited, right? Mm -hmm. And our nether regions get tingly. And we say, oh, Tiger, hell yeah. That's what we love about the guy. Just a constant competitor. Knows nothing but going out to win. Let me ask you something, Stone. Does does Tiger Woods look competitive right now? Not at all. Not in the slightest. This is a guy who made the cut at the Masters and then immediately had to bow out because his body wouldn't let him go any further because he wanted to be ready for a U.S. Open that he actually didn't even play in. 
There is not a single U.S. Open course that is on the schedule for the next 40 years that Tiger Woods is going to go and be able to compete at. Okay? PGA Championship? Probably not. He was a non-factor PGA. Didn't play the U.S. Open. So that leaves the Open Championship and St. Andrews. This is a St. Andrews that right now is playing leaders at 9-under. 8-under in that area. And they said it also won't be back until 2027. Right. But if St. Andrews is proving this difficult for, Mm -hmm. for Tiger, and part of the discussion before the tournament was, oh, Tiger knows this course like the back of his hand. If there's any Open Championship rotation course he can compete at, it's going to be St. Andrews. He can be in the mix. What happened? Seven over, done after two days. I don't think Tiger Woods is playing competitive golf right now. And I don't know if, because of everything his body has gone through, he's capable of playing competitive golf any longer. We already know he can't play a full season. Now, you're automatically pretty much erasing him from competing in three of the four majors every single year. Well, two of the four. He'll go, the Masters, I suppose. You could use the same logic, knows it like the back of his hand. But man, he had to drag himself to the cut line at Augusta. Drag himself to the cut line and couldn't even finish that tournament. I think that it might be time to start facing the realization and telling ourselves the Tiger is done. Whether Tiger can tell Tiger that Tiger is done is a totally different conversation. But for a guy who has lived by the mantra, I mean this tournament because I think I can compete, Tiger's not competing right now. This was not competitive. The driver, the irons, the putter especially. The putter especially. None of it is competitive. And when things start to go poorly for Tiger, what do you see? The wincing the limping, the pain on the face. I don't want to see him have to go through that. To prove what? What is Tiger proving any longer? He won his Masters. He made the ultimate bounce back in the court of public opinion and in the physical realm. He has nothing left to prove. He's not going to catch Jack. It's just not going to happen. I would rather Tiger not play than play a major a year. What other tournament is he going to play where he can be competitive? If we're truly taking Tiger by his word that he thinks he can compete and he's not just going to be a figurehead like Arnold Palmer was late in his career, like Jack Nicholas was late in his career, don't we owe it to Tiger to kind of tell him now, hey, dude, it's done. You're not going to win ever again. It's not going to happen. You're not competitive. You're not going to finish top 10. It's done. And this is why I think it's time for Tiger to walk away. Not because of legacy. The legacy is set in stone. For sure. But because of what I believe from what has come out of Tiger's own mouth, that Tiger Woods can't be Tiger Woods any longer. It's not just that Tiger Woods can't win. It's that Tiger Woods can't even be in the conversation. And that's why I think it's time. Should Tiger Woods walk away? And the answer to that question for me is yes. I haven't felt this way until now. But seeing seven over at St. Andrews with the pain look on the face, with the inability to do anything competent, and I'm sorry, it was nine over that he finished at St. Andrews. He was seven over, making the turn today, finished nine over. Mm-hmm. But I think the answer is yes, that it's time for him to walk away. Should Tiger Woods walk away? Should Tiger Woods go into the world of business, go into the promotional space with all of his endorsements, be an ambassador for the game, and let his body simply just relax? He's earned it. He deserves it. He has nothing left to prove. I think he's tried to prove to himself, hey, I can still do this after the car accident. He can't still do this. 
He's, he, he can't still do this. Should Tiger Woods finally just walk away from the game of golf? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And tweeted us at KLV1063. Should Tiger Woods walk away from the game of golf? Should he no longer play? Because I don't see a scenario in which he is going to compete. And that has been his barometer. Can I compete? He can't. He can't compete. He can't I compete. think he's done. I, I think it's unique, though, because he was asked Wednesday, you know, are you going to retire? And he said, absolutely not. Am I going to play a full schedule? No. But, I, but I'm not retiring. He said, I think this is my last time at St. Andrews where I feel like I'm in contention, you know, before Thursday. And obviously that, you know, didn't show. So, so this is what bothers me about this, though, is that that sounds like he's okay just sort of showing up and getting the applause and boosting the ego. I hear This you. is my last time at San Andrews being able to compete. I'm not going to play a full schedule. Well, where are you going to play now where you're actually going to be in contention? I got where is he you. actually going to make a cut and be able to be in the, in the discussion going into Sunday? PNC with Charlie. You know, the father. That's so lame. <laughs> and that's not even like a real sanctioned tournament. That's just a thing. Don't don't be hating. That's him. like a two-day thing. Him and Charlie are going to hoist that trophy. All right? They're going to cool. beat the Thomases. We'll applaud but, the exhibition. I, I just, I don't want to watch him labor in clear pain, clearly not having fun, clearly without passion, clearly without any expectation, Th- that's the one thing that would hurt his legacy for me. If he just started going out there to receive applause. That's not Tiger. He doesn't need that. Yeah, I think he'll accurately choose where to go. But like, I think there's, there needs to be indications that he can still do it. And I think once we see him dialed in from like at least 150 yards, like like sticking nine iron and, you know, and pitching wedges, like we didn't see that the past two days. He, he Like I, I mentioned earlier, he was aiming and shooting. I think on a Thursday... You know, if he birdies, you know, two out of the five and he's throwing, you know, I, I I would use darts, but, you know, throwing them close to the cup with his pitching wedge, then we're like, oh, okay. But he was he, he might be feeling it. That's my, but that's my thing. You but can, I'm saying that's his indication going forward. If he's not on with those short irons, then then Tiger's gone. And they just weren't on. I, I, I He was conservative off the tee and I, I he wasn't putting anything close from, you know, short yardage. But so this is my point. Him. We can sit here and say, well, what if, what if, if he did this, if he did this. I don't think he can do this. I don't think he can shoot darts close to the cup. I don't think his short iron game is there any longer. I don't think he has the leverage with the leg to ever be effective off the the tee on a consistent basis. The putter is atrocious. The putter's atrocious. He has no confidence whatsoever. How is he just going to build confidence as a guy with one leg who's getting no younger at this point? Like I, The only thing... That would make me, as Darren Ravel tweeted, think that Tiger's legacy could ever be in any sort of of danger is if he's going to get applause, cheap applause. He doesn't need that. He's Tiger Woods. He's the most household name not only in golf but in American sports. Everybody knows who Tiger Woods is. Even the youngest of sports fans know who Tiger is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need that. And maybe he shows up and he, he's got the ceremonial drive at Augusta. He's joining Gary Player and Jack Nicholas and that entire thing. We know he's not going to play the, the Champions Tour. Mm, Tiger no. Woods will never. His pride will not allow him to play the Champions Tour. That's not happening. Not I'd be stunned if he ever played the Champions Tour. No, it's more of like a pride thing. You know, guys like Ernie Els, Ernie shot five under yesterday. Like with guys like that, as old as they are yeah. on the regular tour, and Ernie no Els has never over. nearly lost a leg. Yeah. in an accident. Yeah, I just he looked good off the tee. His driver was well. He was hitting him far, far, in a way, straighter and farther than Max Homa and Matt Fitzpatrick, who he was playing with. So I don't think the driver's the problem. He's putting it out there. No, it's just the overall go game, it. and it's the ability. You can fine. You can hit it all you want. Yeah. You can get the best long driver out there. Can't do anything else other than that. Ask Bryson DeChambeau about that. Yeah. You're not going to be winning. And Bryson DeChambeau at least can be competitive. Tiger's not competitive. Bryson said uh, this morning that he's not using his driver. It's officially going to stay in the bag or he might not bring it out there. So, I mean, to, to your point, like it's not going to matter. It doesn't what, matter. What you're doing. I just don't see a path. It, he, he cares about majors. If you want to talk about a, a, a cut-down schedule, it's going to be the majors. 
right? Yeah. He's not going to go to the players and win that, right? That's not happening. No way. He's not going to go to some of the higher-end non-major tournaments and compete. So what makes you think that he can go to Pebble Beach and do it? What makes you think he can go to Pinehurst and do it? It's not happening. PGA Championship, U.S. Open, that automatically disqualifies that from being a possibility for Tiger. It's not just he can't win. That's one thing. Not competing. That's where I'm starting to see the light where I think it might be time for Tiger to walk away. Simply become a golf ambassador. Simply make special occasion appearances in the name of the game. Again, be someone who is teeing off to start the Masters on Thursday. But his body's been through so much. His career has had such ups and downs, unbelievable highs, unbelievable lows. That's it. I I think it's time for Tiger to walk away. This was disheartening. I don't want a Tiger Woods if it's a Tiger Woods that isn't going to be wearing red on Sunday with a legitimate chance to win. I don't think Tiger can win. And if he can't win at the Open Championship or the Masters, if he can't compete at the Open Championship or the Masters, there's no point. Right. There's no point. I I think if you're you're like a body language expert, this was, uh, they're having a field day with him walking down 18 earlier this morning and crying. Because it was, of course, you know, it's probably his last St. Andrews, but he hasn't cried like this in the past, like, two years. Let's hear the, what does it mean? Let's hear the Peacock coverage of of Tiger Woods coming up 18 across the bridge at St. Andrews. And it actually is going to be our EDS air conditioning coolest moment of the week. Our EDS air conditioning coolest moment of the week is Tiger Woods, maybe for the last time, walking down 18 at St. Andrews. Time now for the coolest moment of the week. Cool. Cool, yeah. The coolest moment of the week is brought to you by EDS Air Conditioning. Tiger Woods, this is via Peacock. He crosses the bridge. He comes to the green on 18 and listens to the ovation and an emotional, tearful Tiger Woods. Greatest figures in the history of the game have made that walk. We just watched another one do just that. So Tiger was emotional. He was wiping tears from his eyes. He did say that that might be the last time that he walks 18 at St. Andrews. Now, the golf nerd will say he didn't stop on the bridge, a la Jack Nicholas, a la Arnold Palmer, which has always signified retirement. But I think we're just parsing visuals now. Like Tiger can't compete anymore. I think that making the cut at the Masters is pretty much the ceiling now for Tiger Woods. And as a true Tiger Woods fan, and what I think I know about Tiger Woods, I don't think that's good enough for Tiger Woods. No, it's not. I don't want to see that. I don't want that to be how I, in any way, shape, or form, am judging Tiger. But at the same time, I mean, hearing it come off of his lips that he feels as if he's in contention, I mean, that, like, I believe him. I don't think he's lying. I don't think he's delusional. No, I think he might be delusional. I think there's a legitimate chance he could be delusional. He's been doing this for so long. Like, after a practice round or, you know, sitting on the range for hours after hours after hours and weeks leading up to, he's like, you know, I'm hitting it just as good as Dustin Johnson is. Like, I know I am. Like, he knows he is. How you're hitting it, that's one tenth. Not to, not it, necessarily though. to Tiger because he's seen picture perfect. I'm going to hit that shot. I'm going to go out and hit it on the first okay. hole. Okay, so he's hitting it as well as Dustin Johnson. Why is Dustin Johnson eight under and one shot off the lead right yeah. now as opposed to Tiger finishing nine over, right? For There's sure. There's a lot of steps between hitting it well and eight under and nine over. That's all I'm saying. For sure. Again, the one tournament he made the cut, he couldn't finish the tournament. He was a non-factor at the PGA. No U.S. Open. And then 
snap of a finger, he's done at the Open Championship, and he never contended. He doubled one yesterday, and that was it. That was a done deal. We knew exactly what was happening after that. Yeah, so that's another side of things for me. Like, if you wanted to go X's and O's, or I don't know what the term is for golf, but if he didn't start the way he did yesterday morning... If, if. Everything's an if, though, Stone. As it should be with Tiger Woods. Why would it not be an if? This guy is... Because he can't do it anymore. Dead in a car accident, he's got one leg. Because he can't do it anymore. Yeah, because he's older, so therefore, it's an if, as it should be for him. So hang it up. But I think there are going to be courses where he knows that he has better strengths than the top 50, where he knows I can land in the 40, and if I have a good Sunday, you know, I, I'll land in the 20. Like, if, 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 if he gets morning, like, see, they talk about how Roy took advantage of the morning round, like, yesterday. If you get the conditions you want, and his irons are on, he can go finish top 10 at one of his most favorite tournaments of the year, so why would you hang it up if you can do that? You're driving me to sound like I'm crapping on Tiger. No, not but necessarily. It's because you are, you are, I think, as delusional as Tiger is now. Your excuse machine that you keep ramping up for Tiger if he did this. Well, uh, he's striking the ball fine if he did this. If, 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 if he didn't put into the water. If he made that putt from five feet. If, if, if. He can't do it. These things happen when you're old and you're hurt and you've lost it. So, so take into consideration the guys who didn't make the cut at the Masters and how good they are at golf. And he did it while hurt. Like, couldn't even finish the tournament. But making the cut, there are guys like a Bryson. Like a Brooks, who, who didn't even make the cut at the Masters. So how's that not like foretelling that there's game there? There, just Let's just go through the names who didn't make the cut at the Masters, and Tiger made the cut. So that's two days worth of golf, right? Well, you're going to hold that up. Yeah. A guy who couldn't even finish that tournament, you're going to hold that up is why Tiger is good to go. He can still compete because he, he made a cut. He made a cut. Great. Hurt. And guys who are better than him, younger than him, and way more put in shape as far as their body goes, didn't. Like, how's that not a tell that there's game there? He did it on one leg. He, he made the cut on one leg at the Masters. But at having, the biggest tournament on the having schedule. Having game and being competitive are, are completely no different. Doubt. No doubt. See, I think you just like having Tiger Woods the novelty around. You just want to see him because he gets you excited. That's not how Tiger Woods should be doing what he should be doing moving forward, though. He's not a novelty. But he, he's, to me, the greatest of all time. And if we're just parading him out there for photo ops... That diminishes Tiger Woods. But he thinks he's competitive. And but I know we talked about delusion. not. And he's delusional. You want photo ops. You like seeing Tiger walk out with his game face on. That's I know you. I know that's what you like, and that's fine. You mean 90% of the world? But that doesn't mean that it should be the case. Tiger's better than that. That's what I'm trying to say is Tiger's better than a photo op. We don't need him to be a photo op. He immediately should just go into first tee at Augusta and, and tee off the tournament every single year with Jack and with Gary. That's what he should be doing. Not rolling out at, at uh, TPC Sawgrass so that <laughs> Stone can get on Google and, and ogle Tiger Woods in his skin-tight black t-shirt walking down the fifth fairway on Thursday. If if we could compare it to a guy in the league who's nearing it, whether it's the NFL or NBA, like and 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 then back it with facts of why they shouldn't retire, like he's a, he's an NBA player who's averaging 12 right now. Like, no, he's Udonis Haslam. No, he's not. He's Udonis, Udonis Haslam. Udonis Haslam can't make the cut at the Masters. Like he can't play in a playoff game Udonis in the Eastern Haslam Conference Finals. Still provides a bigger service to his team than Tiger is capable of competing in a tournament. I don't necessarily know if that's true. Like what? What? Udonis Haslam. I Hasm, promise you, UD's moving better than Tiger. Udonis Haslam not getting a single second on the court in the Eastern Conference Finals is what you would compare to the Masters and making the cut. Like oh, he's so, not even in contention of getting on no, the court. If Tiger's, making the cut, if making the cut, no, Tiger Woods is going to be able to be invited to every single tournament. I mean, of course. He's not qualifying for anything. If you're making the playoffs, the equivalent in golf of making the playoffs is actually making the cut. And Tiger came, oh, I don't know, nine shots like away that. from making the cut. I like that. And there is actually a playoff so, in golf, and Tiger will never, ever, ever sniff okay. that again. Okay, so, so with what you just said, Tiger Woods made the playoffs in 2022. He made he made the playoffs, which you just and then he bowed the out in the first round due to injury, just like a lot of these guys do, just like old Fat Kyle Lowry does. I mean, he made the playoffs in 2022. If that was your analogy, Tiger Woods actually, or Kyle Lowry, at least made it to the end, made it to the finish <laughs> of of his playoff. Yeah, but, but but Tiger Woods made it to the playoffs, like in 2022. Are you, are you with Tiger apologist, Tiger excuse maker, extraordinaire, <laughs> Stone Labanowitz, or are you with me that 
it's time for Tiger Woods to walk away. Are you good with Tiger being a photo op like Stone is? Are you good with Tiger <laughs> becoming a novelty like Stone is? Because Stone just wants to bro out to Tiger and look at his rippling muscles on the course. Photo ops, now, get there Thursday, the Friday, head. and then in, uh, Tiger's just back to Jupiter Island, but it's good for Stone. Uh, and, and then Stone will play the what-if game. Well, if Tiger's driver was better, if Tiger didn't quadruple on the fifth, if Tiger had a better iron game, if Tiger putted well, like that's a tough way to live life is just making constant excuses. Again, like if, if, if my aunt had Stone, she'd be my uncle. We could say this over it, and over and over again. If Tyler Hero didn't get injured in the playoffs, if Kyle Lowry didn't pull his hamstring in the playoffs, if we shot a higher three point percentage, mm-hmm. we would have been in the we would have won the finals. Okay, and that's fine. We, I mean, we would have been in the but we didn't been we, in the finals. Okay, and we talked about it. We didn't make excuses for the Heat. But, I'm not making excuses for Tiger. He either can compete or he can't. And it, it's not like a hamstring or a groin, which are temporary. He nearly lost a leg, like uh, an entire leg, <laughs> an entire an entire limb that uh, helps him. To shoot and to walk, okay? Should Tiger Woods now walk away? Just an abomination of a performance at the Open Championship. (laughs) And I respect him so much, and I love Tiger so much, and it hurts. I don't want to watch it anymore. It's really, really tough to watch, and I think it's time. Should Tiger walk away? 888-760-3776. 760-3776. Tweeted us at KLV1063. Should Tiger Woods walk away now from playing competitive golf? He's Stone Lebanon. It's Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 1063. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 1063. If the Heat are going to get KD, I feel better about it happening now than I ever have. Because what in God's name are the Phoenix Suns doing? I mean, that is one of the most confusing, confusing offseason meltdowns I've ever seen from a team that seemed competent. The Heat are in good shape. But now I feel like they're in good shape even if they stay put, even if nothing massive happens with the roster. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. Still on the Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levicka. The Phoenix Suns just didn't move on DeAndre Ayton this entire offseason, this entire offseason. He wanted a max deal. They didn't pay him. DeAndre Ayton's name came up over and over and over and over again as part of a deal. It's what made the Suns the most attractive landing spot for Kevin Durant in a deal with Brooklyn. But then the Suns let it hang so long that the Pacers extend an offer sheet to DeAndre Ayton. And what do the Suns do? They come back after all of that and they match the offer sheet. The highest offer sheet in the history of the NBA. The highest free agent offer sheet in the history of the NBA. And the Suns go ahead and match it. A deal they could have gotten done weeks ago. Instead, they let it hang, let it hang, let it hang, let it hang. Pacers finally called their bluff. Suns were forced into having to pay DeAndre Ayton a max deal. And now, the Suns couldn't move DeAndre Ayton if they wanted to until January. Mm -hmm. Which means they are out of the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. That's done. So that, as Evan Cohen was talking about at 11.55, that leaves one team left of the preferred teams, according to reports with Kevin Durant, and that's the Heat. Now, I'm with Evan. I don't necessarily believe that this is actually going to happen. But I feel good about the fact that if it doesn't happen with the Heat, it's just not happening at all. Which means another team doesn't get the benefit of Kevin Durant. I can get down with that. That makes me feel better. And and, and, and I think Kevin Durant would agree with us. Like It it was Phoenix, Miami, and nothing else. I'll be back in Brooklyn. Uh, and, And so, this, though, is why... The Heat have played this smart the entire time. Because if they made any singular move for anybody during this offseason, then they would now be out of the KD sweepstakes as well because numbers wouldn't match up, they wouldn't have the assets, nothing. So now here they are, and they're the only team left with a legitimate chance at Kevin Durant. 
Maybe Kevin Durant doesn't get traded, but there's only one team now that can pull this off. And they might need a help from another team. This might need to be a three-way deal. But at least the Heat are the only team that common sense would dictate of those who had interest that's in the running for Kevin Durant. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Because at least, good God, have they tried. So is Pat Riley that smart? Where he knew some way, somehow, Phoenix was going to fumble the bag? No, I don't think you could foresee just how incompetent what the Suns did was going to happen. But I do think that Pat Riley, from second one of this offseason, decided that patience was going to be the virtue. Mm -hmm. At some point, you wait, and you see, and you talk. None of these things, especially with a Kevin Durant, are going to happen at the snap of a finger. And none of them are going to make sense. Uh, like these things, these things aren't... Uh, why do you think that, that uh, Minnesota gave up so much for Rudy Gobert? Because they tried to get in there as quick as possible. I still think that Minnesota could have gotten Rudy Gobert for half of what they gave up. The, the four first-round draft picks... Really excessive. I think two of them were unprotected. Right. Makes, makes it ten times worse. Right, exactly. Like, just, just, it's like, the, it's like the Jazz. It's like Danny Ainge was sitting there, and he just sat in silence as they negotiated, and the Timberwolves on the other end are like, um, Danny, are you there? Danny, okay, here's another pick. Hello? Danny, Danny, did I lose you? Here, here's another pick. And Danny Ainge just sat there and waited and waited and waited until... The Timberwolves gave the most absurd give back, the most absurd value for Rudy Gobert. And then Danny Ainge said, all right, done deal. And then the Timberwolves, after the fact, are like, oh, my God, we gave up four players and four draft picks and two of them unprotected. Holy hell. But uh, 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 put out the release. Rudy Gobert's here and don't, don't focus on anything else. Like, that's how that happened is the Timberwolves didn't think it through. The Heat, been there, done that. That's the benefit of having a competent front office, having a competent organization. Been there, done that. This isn't too big for them. If they get KD, awesome. Transcendent. Pat Riley gives himself the best chance to win the title and finally get out of the sport like he's been looking to do. If they don't get KD, they're still going to host home court advantage in at least a round in the postseason. No doubt. You know? No doubt. So honestly, I'm okay with how this is transpiring. Yeah, and I think Evan brought up a good point at 11.55 because he threw the name John Collins out there. Like, mm-hmm. there are plenty of there are other people, fish. There are still guys available. There right. are plenty of guys available that I think take us over that little hump because I do think it's going to be a bumpy road. If you were to ask me what seed I think they would be, I'd go five. I, I, don't under, I, I, I can't foresee them you know, being as dominant and running it back the same way they did. I think we, they found lightning in a bottle. And got to where they were. I don't think but I don't, they found lightning in a bottle. I think they're well constructed with good players. Yeah, I, I, definitely not lightning in a bottle. Now that I think about it, but just like I don't know, take the slow route. I, I don't know, but I don't see them doing it again. So I do think they need to add another piece. And yeah, there's still plenty of other fish out there. And, and I, I know we've joked about it, but UD and Jovic—they're not going to be your starting four this year. I mean, okay. whoever said they were? Uh, I know, but we—it it, it sort of looked like, uh oh, <laughs> like what's happening. But you're right. There's still guys out there. They're going to figure out the four hole. At some point here. Yeah. They're going to. Um, so, is KD going to happen? I don't know. I'd say 40% yes. Majority of me would say no, it's not going to happen. But then there's Donovan Mitchell. And it is clear now, Knicks fans, I acknowledge, the Heat are trailing in the race for Donovan Mitchell. And this is going to be rare. This is going to be rare. I am about to give credit to the Knicks. I am about to give credit to the Knicks because Danny Ainge is a complete psychopath and thinks that because he fleeced Minnesota and gave them Rudy Gobert, he thinks that he can fleece any other team that he wants. And the Knicks are actually, despite all of the evidence to the contrary, doing something competent. I would argue that Jalen Brunson at $100 million that's like borderline not competent, right? Like, Jesus, man. Like, come on. Like, I, I like Jalen Brunson. Is Jalen Brunson a $100 million man who's going to change a franchise? No. Are the Knicks right now a playoff team? No. No. I don't care what Knicks fans want to say to me about this right now. The way they're currently constituted, the Knicks are not a playoff team. I'm sorry. Right now, right now, teams are going to score... 107 a game on them. They're not a playoff team. Okay? I, I, I do want to, you know, ask this. You don't think Jalen Brunson paired with Donovan Mitchell? 
So let's is talk a hundred about- million dollar man because I kind of do. He seemed to look like that in the playoffs with Luka Doncic. Okay, good. So you're gonna he's on a hundred million dollar man, so you can maybe avoid the plan. If that is important to Knicks fans, if that's important to the Knicks, then good. And hey, you know what? Making the playoffs is better than not making the playoffs. Okay, but what I'm saying here with this pursuit of Donovan Mitchell is that the Knicks aren't allowing themselves to get aged like the Timberwolves did. Danny Ainge is feeling bold now because he got everything for freaking Rudy Gobert, okay? Here's the report from Tony Jones, covers the Jazz for The Athletic. The Jazz-Knicks deal was close on Tuesday night for Donovan Mitchell, but the Knicks ended up declining. Utah reportedly wanted... Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, Quentin Grimes, Miles McBride, and six first-round picks for Donovan Mitchell. I like Donovan Mitchell, but someone tell me when Donovan Mitchell became a top-five player in the NBA. Enough from this guy out in Utah. And honestly, Knicks, bravo for not succumbing to the trap. Because right now, you're better off not making that deal for Donovan Mitchell than you are with Donovan Mitchell on your roster. Yeah, Danny Ainge is a psychopath, and even the Knicks have identified that. Now, just to put it into perspective how disrespectful that offer is, New York spent this entire offseason with the uh, gaining the four first-round picks they have next year. I think they're just going to give away the four they worked so hard to get plus two more. It's 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 like disrespectful. It's a slap in the face. Hey, you guys paid millions of dollars, hundreds of million dollars for those four first round picks you guys have in twenty twenty three. We'll take them and we'll take two more, and we'll give you you know if, a guard, if, a, a, a chuckster guard, a guy who shoots. Who he's not even a sufficient shooter. He can play some D though. Like for for all that, I would be I would be offended if I were the Knicks and Danny Ainge came oh, yeah. to me with that, thinking that I'm an idiot. Like Nick Friedle, ESPN. He summed it up pretty nicely, I think, talking about the value of Donovan Mitchell. And again, I like Donovan Mitchell, but Donovan Mitchell, who scores in spurts, Donovan Mitchell, who really struggles defensively. I mean really struggles defensively. And a guy who really doesn't help create for teammates as much as he just does for himself. Nick Friedel has some legitimate questions about what the Jazz are asking for the guy. The reality is if you make this deal and you're the Knicks, you are capping yourself with what you have in place at a second-round team. So I understand the push to want to get a star. I just don't understand the price that it would take to make it happen. There are a lot of people around the league, I'm sure, who are cursing out Danny Ainge right now because of the Gobert deal and now because of the Mitchell deal and the picks that are involved. But Ainge is used to it. This is what he does. He tries to maximize value and in doing so, get as many picks as possible. If you're the Knicks, though, what other options do you have to try and land that guy to build around? I would expect right now for them to get it done, but that is a huge price to pay with all that draft capital. But see, this is what's tough for the Knicks because right now, again, I don't believe they're a playoff team. I don't think Jalen Brunson's addition with R.J. Barrett, coupling him with R.J. Barrett, is enough. You don't think they're better than the Hawks? No. No. I guess that would be the comparison. So if you're no. saying no, then you're saying The Hawks have been active. Team. The Hawks have actually made a, it, it, to me. You didn't like the DeJounte Murray move, nor did you think it was impactful for I, them. I, I didn't think it was impactful for them becoming an Eastern Conference contender. Sure. Are they a playoff team? Yes. Does Jalen Brunson's addition make the Knicks a playoff team? No. So then Knicks fans got mad at Tim Legler yesterday, who was on Get Up, because he actually sort of shares my thoughts on the Knicks, but even if the Knicks get Donovan Mitchell, and this is why this matters, this is why fighting off Danny Ainge matters, because Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson, but you're giving up massive roster assets, and then you're putting your future in jeopardy, that does you no good either, to the tune of still not being a playoff team. Here's Tim Legler. All right, well, first of all, I agree that they should go for this if they have an opportunity to do it. They need a guy that's got that kind of star power. He's got the personality and the charisma also that they're going to eat up in New York. But here's the real question. 
how much does Donovan Mitchell make the Knicks climb rungs in the ladder in the Eastern Conference? If we're being honest about it, I think they're still probably a play-in team. I don't think that the New York Knicks then would be a team that's guaranteed to be in the top six. I think they're somewhere in that play-in format. As, as good as Donovan Mitchell is, and he's an elite-level scorer, I don't know that he moves the needle in terms of making the Knicks a contender. They would still be another, I think, either good, very good to great player away from getting into the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. It's just too good at the very top. And then there's teams in that 5-6 spot. When you look at Toronto and Chicago, I don't even think the Knicks necessarily would be better than them. Tim Legler is right. And I know Knicks fans are upset. And yesterday on Twitter, I kept seeing the same refrain from Knicks fans. Oh, Donovan Mitchell goes to the Knicks, and the Knicks are just a play-in team. Donovan Mitchell goes to the Heat, and he's a superstar, and he puts them on the precipice of a championship. Make it make sense. I saw that a lot. Make it make sense. What is nonsensical about that? Yeah, yeah. What is nonsensical about that? Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, Donovan Mitchell? Julius Randle. What of the... Okay, Julius Randle sort of just was a, I love a, Julius a corpse on the floor this past year. <laughs> but what what is you mean to tell me those four those four together completely unproven? You have no idea how they're going to play together. And again, that's a team then that plays absolutely no defense. You mean to tell me that that oh, I'm offended that you even you even infer. That they couldn't contend. You realize putting Donovan Mitchell with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero. Yes, that's already a championship contending core that you're adding Donovan Mitchell to. So, of course, it makes them a championship contender because the Heat are already a championship contender. The Knicks, you needed needed binoculars sitting in the postseason to see where they were at all the way back out of contention this past season. So, Donovan Mitchell... It's a win that they get you into a postseason scenario. Of course it makes sense. Make it make sense. Tim Legler made it make sense. You don't have a contending core. This past year, you didn't even have a playoff core. So fine, you add Donovan Mitchell, and there you go. You can taste the postseason. But why does Donovan Mitchell make the Heat a a potential championship threat if they add him to Jimmy and Bam and to Tyler Hero? We need a elite scorer. Uh, Eric Spolstra, because they already have that championship yep. core. That's simple, folks. That's simple math. I'm sorry. Now, I, I would ask you to put your money where your mouth is, because I'm having a hard time generating this thought, or kind of what I would do if you know I, we had to bet on it. But uh, Chicago Bulls, New York Knicks, with Donovan Mitchell, Brunson, Julius Randle, Bulls Randall and quickly six. In, yeah, you wouldn't just a pick Bulls and six. Toronto pick them line. You would go. You would lean Toronto if you literally Toronto and seven. Okay, so they're pushing them seven. Then Hawks, what do you, what do you got them in the Hawks first round? Hawks in six because Trey Young owns them and they'll never get over it. What if it's in New York? Same thing. I it, Madison Square Garden <laughs> is it, it, and and its effect on a series completely overrated as Trey Young showed. So you will happily fade the Knicks if they get into the playoff game or that playing game or the playoffs this year. You'll just fade them. You just got no confidence in them. Because yeah. I think I think they're a threat in the first round to any of the anybody. Cool. Now, Con- congrats, Knicks fans, on being a threat to win a first round series. Yeah. Now the problem, right? I, I guess that you know that's where the expectations are now. But if they are like an eight eight seed and you have to go to Boston or whatever, now I understand that the Knicks have won one first round series <laughs> since I became legally <laughs> able to drink. I'm not the New concerned. New York Knicks are a national disgrace, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying. I am trying to give credit to the Knicks for not falling into the Danny Ainge trap where yeah. he could really hurt the franchise. Really hurt the franchise. If they get Donovan Mitchell, they have improved. That's not a question. That's not a question. And they should get him at the price they're comfortable with. And they're doing the right thing, not giving up too much. But what I'm saying is that Tim Legler making Knicks fans mad. Knicks fans, sorry, Tim Legler was right. You're not in the top six or seven in the East, even with Donovan Mitchell. And then it depends what you still have on the roster after the Donovan Mitchell trade, okay? Why do the Heat get the benefit of the doubt that they're championship contenders with Donovan Mitchell? Because they already have been there, done that, and have the core. It's that damned simple. When we come back talking NFL with Mike Tannenbaum, our football insider, he knows a thing or two about New York. He's still on the battle. It's Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. 
from the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Hey, are you experiencing foot and ankle pain? Need to see an expert in the field? Well, that's where Baptist Health Orthopedic Care comes in. They have a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealth.net slash orthocare to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians, leading-edge treatments, and technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle joint replacement spine and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealth.net slash orthocare for more information today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash orthocare. Mike Tannenbaum, former GM of the Jets, and Vice President of Football Operations with the Miami Dolphins. He is our football insider, and he joins us here, as always, on Ken Levick Alive. Mike, real quick, uh, how much of the Open Championship have you watched over the first two days? Uh, not much. Could have been up here in Bristol, so I've been doing a lot of football, but uh, I know Tiger missed the cut. Yeah, he did miss the cut, and he did so pretty emphatically, in fact. Uh, uh, so, so you being up in Bristol, I know you've been subjected to the uh, Lamar Jackson is he a top 10 quarterback talk. And so uh, this is part of the, the ESPN compilation, the survey that's been put out this week. It has created a lot of content there. Stone and I went off on that this week. We think that undoubtedly Lamar Jackson is a top 10 quarterback, but where do you stand on this? And I know you do a lot of rankings and a lot of Mount Rushmore's and, and that's sort of the thing in the offseason in the NFL, but where would you put Lamar Jackson? Is he at least in the top 10? Yeah, he's a top 10 quarterback because he's so dy- dynamic, can make plays with his feet, can make plays uh, with his arm, and he's a league MVP, so Look, his game isn't perfect, we know that, but he, he's still a really good player, someone you can win a lot of games with. Um, if you were of the, the quarterbacks in the top ten to take one of them out, would you take out a Burrow? Would you take out a Herbert? Would you take out a Prescott? Who would you take out to include Lamar Jackson in that top ten? Deshaun Watson, because he didn't play last year. And yeah. A big part about being a front-line quarterback is being available and for whatever reason, as we know, he wasn't available, so I can't put him in my top ten. You know what? I, I said the same exact thing, and uh, then you extrapolated even further. We might go, depending on where this ruling goes, two full years without seeing Deshaun Watson. That's got to be a terrifying prospect for the Browns, potentially, no? Absolutely, and that's why I would have held on to Baker Mayfield, because given the uncertainty of Deshaun Watson, I certainly would have kept him if... Uh, all things being equal, just because he may give you your best chance to win. You know, I as we talk with Mike Tannenbaum here on uh, Ken Levick Alive, uh, you you had banged that Baker Mayfield should stay with the Browns drum the entire saga, and you flat out said last week, like, hey, I think Baker can win that job in Carolina. There's been a lot of detractors to that, hey, Darnold's the better quarterback, but then you start seeing the words open competition coming out of Carolina, and I think it lends credence to everything you've been saying that Baker Mayfield's sort of man on mission. He could very well go in there and be that week one starter in Carolina. Yeah, I don't think there's any question Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback than Sam Darnold, so barring something unforeseen, I think Baker starts for Carolina, and you know, we'll see how things go from there, but um, I think he would have been better off staying in, Carolina, uh, in Cleveland just because of familiarity and not needing to learn a new offense, but we'll see how things go. Uh, I wanted to ask you this because there are uh, right now uh, fan bases in the NBA that are on the edge of their seat, and the Knicks and the Jazz are going back and forth on Donovan Mitchell. It looks like right now conventional wisdom tells you the Heat are really the only team with any chance at KD. There's a lot of uncertainty there, a lot of moving parts. What was, in any of your front office spots, but most notably Jets and Dolphins, what was the deal that had you the most nervous, had you losing the most sleep in the lead-up to it because you weren't quite sure it was going to happen? Brett Favre at the Jets because always concerned that he may you know, retire. So, um, you know, until he was actually in the building, I was uh, sweating that one out quite a bit, Ken. <laughs> what um, how long from start to finish did that process take from the initial conversation with Brett Favre to landing him with the Jets? About three weeks. Um, it took a while. You know, some of the conversations were very preliminary. We did a lot of listening at the beginning. And then, like everything else, it started to heat up at the end. Man. Three weeks of just no sleep for Mike Tannenbaum. The man deserves better than that. Mike, if you could, uh, tell us a little bit about Greco Chevy. 
Yeah, Greco Chevrolet. I, I'd wait at least three weeks to buy a car for them. <laughs> it's a great car buying experience, conveniently located on uh, Federal Highway in Delray Beach. Great selection of cars, great people. I uh, highly recommend Greco Chevrolet Delray Beach. All right, appreciate it, Mike. Have a great weekend, okay? All right, Ken. Thanks so much. All right, that is Mike Tannenbaum, our football insider here on Ken Levick Alive. You hear him every single week here on ESPN 106.3. It's funny, the, the Brett Favre deal with the Jets, so I was that was my first year covering the Dolphins. Uh, that was the Pennington year. That was the AFC yeah. East Championship year. And so going into training camp, um, all, all the discussion was Brett Favre is a Jet, Brett Favre is a Jet, Brett Favre is a Jet, Brett Favre is a Jet. What's going to happen with Pennington? We get to training camp 2008. It's Josh McCown against John Beck. That's the quarterback competition. Ooh. McCown against Beck. Yeah, I don't baby. even think Cleo Lemon was there any longer. And so we're all sitting there, myself, Omar Kelly, Armando Salguero, or like, this team is going. I mean, this is coming off the 1 in 15 season. So, right. of course, we're like, this team is going to suck. But then there's Tony Sperano and Bill Parcells. That was their, their first season, too. So you're like, maybe there will be some incremental improvement, but they're not going to be a fun watch. Maybe they'll win five games, maybe, and they're going to be a dirge. And then all of a sudden, a week in, like the, the, the Favre thing completely comes to fruition, and Chad Pennington shows up to Davey, and he's on the practice field. And that changed absolutely everything. And I feel bad for Mike because all that work that went in to go in to get Brett Favre, and there was such pop and circumstance, including, I don't know if you remember, week one was the Jets. At the Dolphins, no, and Brett Favre balled out in that game, and the Jets beat the Dolphins. Chad Pennington lost to his former team. Brett Favre, I believe it was Jericho Cotchery, hit him for a long touchdown pass down the left sideline, and it, it, it was wild to see Brett Favre in a Jets uniform, let alone him tear up the Dolphins, and then... The whole season just took a turn. The Wildcat got introduced in week four. Wow. And the Dolphins rolled from there. And week 17, the Dolphins, with a chance to clinch the AFC East, not only beat the Jets, but Jeremiah Bell pretty much, what I thought, ended Brett Favre's life late in that game. Just blew him up. Cracked him right in the ribs. And all that work Mike T put in was for naught. Brett Favre lasted a year with the Jets, sent some pictures of his thing to uh, 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 Jennifer Sturger. And, and a skull from then there. He, then he, and then it was a skull from there on to Minnesota. But, man, that whole 2008 season, that still, it, to me, is my favorite Dolphins season because it came out of nowhere, and it was so weird. And Chad Pennington is just endlessly, endlessly likable. So, so... This unfortunate turn of events for Mike Cannonbaum because he leaves New York and goes to Minnesota and takes him. I think in his first year, what was it, the divisional round? Uh, With Minnesota, it was that yeah. yeah in that fourth quarter. I think no, he, it was the NFC Championship. Yeah, game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even further, the NFC Championship. Remember, he threw the interception. That's in our open to the obligatory football segment. Yes. That's him throwing the pick to Tracy Porter in the yeah. NFC title game with the the Vikings in a position to march down the field and win. So he goes to a I, I would I would say a tougher you know if we are taking New England out of the picture a tougher division in the NFC uh, West over there and he takes him further than he did the Jets. Well, so not that, to mention a lot more drama for him going against the Packers. Yeah. Like that, Absolutely. Maybe if it Absolutely. wasn't tougher from a, from a, a distraction NFC standpoint, North, my bad. it's significantly different in the NFC North for Brett Favre going against the Packers than it was any team that he played in the AFC East. For sure. So so Brett just didn't give Mike any of the effort no. that he gave Minnesota, I guess not. Put more effort into his uh, camera phone yeah. than he did on the field. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, when we come back, J-Mart is in for the final hour, as always, of the week. It's the Friday finale. Hang on to your butts. He's Stone Lebanowitz, Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.